Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Tradies News in a Nutshell for this Tuesday morning. It's the 17th of January, 2023. Daniel Pedro back with you for the rest of the week, broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. 1300 01 1170, our open line number, 1300 01 1170. Or you can text 0457 736 736. And we've got a lot of sport to get through over the course of the next hour before uh, Julian King and Michael Carianis take you through breakfast in Sydney and also Brisbane. You'll get that for the first hour before Patton Heels from 6am local time. Well, where do we start? Uh, we will start with the tennis in just a second. I'll tell you also what's coming up on uh, the show. Chris Perkins in America. Uh, we need to talk to him about Nick Kyrgios because when we spoke to him on Friday, Nick was his tip to win the whole thing. Uh, hasn't gone too well for him. Uh, we'll talk to him uh, about everything American sport in about 15 minutes. EPL, some interesting results over the course of the weekend. John Gallo will be on the line in about half an hour, our football expert on Tradies News, to talk about that as well. But the Australian Open began yesterday, as we know. Now, before we get to some of the big news from it and some of the results, I love the Australian Open. I think, um, and we spoke to Matty Cox, host of Tradies News in Melbourne last week about it, and I think it's one of, if not the best sporting event on a yearly basis that is held here. Obviously, there's one-offs, but I think something that is done every year, I think it is the best. What would be your best sporting um, event that we have each and every year? Is it State of Origin? Is it the NRL Grand Final? Is it the AFL Grand Final? Is it the Australian Open? Is it the Melbourne Cup? Is it something else? What is the best sporting event that Australia does? And look, it doesn't have to be every year. It can be every two, three, four years. But what is the best sporting event that Australia does? Interested to know. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 or 0457 736 736. I just think the way they do stuff just down in Melbourne with the Australian Open is fantastic. Not so fantastic, though, uh, from a tennis point of view, is Nick Kyrgios. Now, uh, this came through at about 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon, and it was a bit of a weird one because looking at Twitter, now, there was nothing about it at all leading in to yesterday, throughout the first few hours of play. Of course, he played that charity match, that exhibition match against Novak Djokovic the other night on Friday night. And then Nick Kyrgios called a snap press conference to announce that he is withdrawing from this year's Australian Open. He was scheduled to play tonight. It would have been a main feature on the TV coverage, also our radio coverage here on SEN, but has pulled out. Let's have a listen just to a bit of what he had to say in yesterday's press conference. Unfortunately, we have some bad news. Nick has to pull out of the Australian Open. Obviously, extremely disappointed. You know, I, I know you guys will all, all be wondering, you know, what's going on. So my physio, Will, here has been with me throughout my career and he's been monitoring me pretty closely the last week and he's going to give you more of the details on, on what's kind of going on and Obviously, I'm just exhausted from everything and, you know, obviously pretty brutal. Um, you know, one of the most important tournaments in my career and so it hasn't been easy at all. Uh, during the last week or so, Nick's experienced some, some discomfort in his knee and routine MRI just to make sure everything was okay. There, there's a, a parameniscal cyst growing in his lateral meniscus, which is a result of a small tear in his lateral meniscus. It's not a significant injury in the sense that it's going to be career-threatening or anything like that. It was. Even at that stage, it was still worth persevering to see if we could do anything to get him back on court. And to Nick's credit, he did try everything to the point even last week he was having a, a procedure called a fenestration and drainage where they use a syringe to try and drain the, the cyst, which 
Nick has some pretty gruesome photos of, I'm sure he'll probably share them later. The last Grand Slam I played was the US Open and obviously extremely hard, I was extremely hard on myself after um, that loss in the quarterfinals, obviously thinking that I could win it from there on and, and obviously just had Oz Open was on the back of my mind from that day forth as soon as I got off the court against Kachanov and I, I always wanted to just do everything right and, and, and train right, tick every box and just be ready for the Oz Open and obviously this coming around is just bad timing. Um, but that's life, you know, injuries are part of the sport. Um, I guess I can draw some inspiration from someone like Thanasa who's had a bunch of injuries and, and has bounced back. So look, I'm, I'm, I'm not doubting that I'll be back to my full strength and playing the tennis I was playing um, prior to this event. So yeah, it's, I'm devastated obviously. It's like, it's my home tournament. Um, I've had some great memories here, obviously last year winning the title in doubles and playing the best tennis of my life probably. And then going, into, one of, going to, into this event as one of the favorites, it's brutal. Yeah, and a lot of talk yesterday uh, and right throughout the past couple of weeks about how big of a chance he would have been in this year's Australian Open fully fit. Nick Kyrgios, not, uh, as you heard there, not expected to be a long-term injury, but unfortunately for him and unfortunately for the Australian public, uh, he will not be playing in this year's Australian Open in the singles. All the doubles, of course, where he won with uh, Tanasi Kokonakis last year. I saw some commentary on Twitter yesterday once this news was announced, and you know, obviously not everyone loves Nick. I said last week, I think he's box office. I think he's really entertaining to watch. But I did see some people say that they're less inclined to watch the Australian Open now, at least the first week of it until we get to some of the serious matches. Do you agree with that, or are you still going to watch it? Does Nick's withdrawal have any uh, effect on whether you're going to be watching the Australian Open. Maybe you're never going to be watching the Australian Open when you're still going to be watching a lot of it. And you're disappointed that we won't be seeing Nick Kyrgios. So 0457 736 736 or one 1170 As I say, I think he would have been very entertaining. Was on a collision course uh, to meet Novak Djokovic in the quarterfinals. Novak, by the way, who's in action tonight. And I'll go through some of the games or matches coming up in a second and also some of the key results uh, from yesterday. But uh, he has got his own injury problem as we know, with a hamstring injury. So we'll see what happens with him a little later on tonight. Uh, on court yesterday, it was actually a pretty good day for Australia for the most part. John Millman, five-set victory. Uh, he does it again. And Rinky Hedgicarta uh, in his first ever Australian Open, both prevailed in five-set epics. Uh, in the day session, Jason Kubler ended his 12-year wait for a main draw win and his home grand slam. And Olivia Gadecki won through in straight sets. So Hijikata needed almost four and a half hours to win uh, his match, but he has, and he set up a second-run showdown with Stefana Tsitsipas in the second round. Fourth set went for 71 minutes before going to the tiebreak before the Australian uh, won. So that was uh, very, very good news. Uh, John Milburn as well. Great to see him uh, winning. And he's been around for many, many years. Uh, he won his match as well. So just through some of the key results from day one of the Australian Open, Coco Golf kicked things off on Rod Laver Arena, uh, winning her match easily, 6-1, 6-4. Uh, watched a lot. In fact, I think I watched all of uh, the Rafa match against Jack Draper yesterday afternoon. Rafa ending up winning at 7-5, Um, I don't know if you watched it, a lot of people hoping he goes all the way this year and you never write a champion off, but gee, he struggled at times during that match. And Jack Draper, if it hadn't been for the cramp he got in that third set and then again in the fourth set, 
He looked like he could have sprung an upset over Rafa, whose timing was off, just didn't look that good, did he? But as you say, you never write a champion off. But Jack Draper, just the cramps. Went for about three and a half hours, that match, just over three and a half hours before Rafa prevailed. 7-5-2-6-6-4-6-1. So Rafa through to the next round, but I think would need a lot of improvement uh, if he's going to go deep into this tournament. But... You just never know, of course, what it last year. Uh, Iga Schwentek, the world number one in the female side, won uh, yesterday. Not all her own way last night. 6-4-7-5. And Danielle Medvedev, uh, last year's finalist, one of last year's finalists, along with Rafa, uh, threw quite easily against Giron. 6-love, uh, 6-1-6-2. Some of the other results. Uh, Victoria Azarenka played Sophia Kennan. Wasn't sure which way this was going to go, but as a ranker in the end, uh, ranked 24th seed in this year's tournament, 6-4, 7-6, and a tiebreaker, 7-3. So she's through the second round as well. As I mentioned, uh, Stefano sits a pass through in straight sets over Hales from France, 6-3, Mentioned Jason Kubler, straight sets, 6-4, 6-4, 6-4, his win as well. So he was uh, very, very good. Danielle Collins, who we know lost to Ash Barty, last year in the final. Uh, she struggled a bit, won the first set 7-5, lost the second set 7-5 uh, to Kellen Sakaya. Uh, um, and then there were question marks. She was, had a bit, picked up a bit of an injury, but got through in the third set 6-4. Uh, so well done to uh, her there, Danielle Collins, of course, last year's uh, loser to... Uh, last year's runner-up to Ash Barty. And I mentioned John Millman, an epic five-setter. He went four hours, five minutes, ended up winning 6-7, uh, 7-5, six, 6-7, seven, seven, six, seven, six, six, uh, against Husla uh, from Switzerland. So well done to John Millman. Uh, day two, just some of the key matches on day two, which is going to be uh, very, very interesting to watch. Uh, Andy Murray is in action. He's the third matchup on Rod Laver Arena against Berrettini this afternoon. That'll be one to watch. Uh, Novak Djokovic in action much later on tonight, probably around 8.39 o'clock tonight. Uh, we know, of course, he didn't play in last year's Australian Open. We'll see how he goes uh, this week or this time around, carrying that hamstring uh, injury. Uh, one match that Probably will go under the radar a bit, but it's the first one up on John Kane Arena today. Rublev up against Dominic Team. Of course, Dominic Team a wild card, but we know uh, he's been a fantastic tennis player for many years coming back from injuries. And in terms of the Australians, Alex Dimonor will be in action around 7 o'clock uh, tonight in the men's singles. Uh, he's the 22nd ranked seed. And Tanasi Kokonakis up against Fanini. Uh, he will be the third matchup on Kia Arena this afternoon. Great hopes for Kokonakis after a Decent or very good run in the Adelaide International. So that's just a wrap of what's happening in the tennis. Did you watch any of it? Are you looking forward uh, to the next couple of weeks? 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. It's 11 past 5, 11 past 4 in Queensland. A couple of things, other things uh, to get to before a break, and then we'll talk to Chris Perkins in America. Uh, what about this news surrounding Eddie Jones and the Wallabies? So yesterday morning came out. Uh, Dave Reddy gone as coach of the Wallabies. Sacked over a Zoom meeting at 6 a.m. yesterday morning. Harsh way to go, isn't it? I know he didn't have the best record with the Wallabies, but yeah, 6 a.m. yesterday morning, Zoom meeting. He, it was delivered by the Rugby Australia Chief Executive who was in South Africa. Um, Eddie Jones signed an offer from Rugby Australia worth about $4.5 million over five years at 11.30 p.m. on Saturday night. Um, and it was all ratified by the Rugby Australia Board on Sunday morning. 
Rennie got off the Zoom call, packed his bags and flew home to New Zealand. So Jones will arrive in Australia next week to mount one of the most unlikely World Cup campaigns in history with just eight months preparation and five games before their first pool game against Georgia in Paris on the 9th of September. Uh, Rennie managed just 13 wins from 34 games in charge of Australia. That's a win percentage of 38.24, the worst of any Wallabies coach with more than 30 tests. Um, Eddie Jones, we know, and I actually had a text on the show on Friday, I think it was from Jason, asking uh, where do we think Eddie will end up, and no one, uh, at least I hadn't heard about any of uh, these rumours. It was kept pretty hush-hush. There was a lot of talk that he wanted to be involved with Rugby League. Well, no, he's sticking with Rugby Union. We know, of course, he was coach of the Wallabies when we made that final in 2003 against England before Johnny Wilkinson broke our hearts. And, of course, in more recent times, has had pretty good success with the England Rugby Union team over in the UK. Um, can he turn things around quickly for this Australian Rugby Union team? We know the World Cup is only really six months away, but we know he's a very good coach. What do you make of the decision? 0457 736 736 or one 300 May well be very harsh on Dave Rennie. Um, a lot of people saying it's very harsh, probably not done right. Some people, though, that know the game more than uh, me, saying that they are very excited about Eddie Jones being back uh, in charge of this Australian Rugby Union team. What do you reckon? Is it a good call? Do you think it will pay off for the World Cup in just a few months' time? 0457 736 736. Or one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, and in rugby league, a bit of rugby league news floating around. But the big news yesterday: Penrith superstar uh, Stephen Crichton will quit the club at the end of the season after breaking the news to the teammates yesterday. So Crichton told us, to, uh, Pat, this teammate's training of his plans to move on at season's end. It is unclear where he's going to end up, but the Canterbury Bulldogs are in the box seat to land the 22-year-old. He'll play, of course, this season out at the Penrith Panthers. The two parties had been locked in talks, we know, for quite some time, but were unable to agree to terms. Uh, that will pave the way for Crichton to reunite with Panthers ex-assistant coach Cameron Serraldo at Canterbury with the prospect of making the switch from centre to fullback. Crichton said he was committed to finishing the year strongly with the Panthers. Yeah, disappointing for the Panthers. There's been rumours about this for a while, uh, really going back until the uh, since the end of last season. But Canterbury now in the box seat. Not 100% confirmed that Stephen Crichton will be going to the Bulldogs, but seems quite likely. Uh, one 300 or 0457-736-736. Are you, if you're a Penrith fan, are you disappointed about Stephen Crichton leaving. But if you are a Bulldogs fan, and admittedly he's not coming to the Bulldogs this year, but they are building a very good lineup. We know they've struggled over recent years. The back end of the last year wasn't too bad for the Bulldogs. And they've got a pretty good lineup this year. Reed Marnie, Villamani Kickow. We know Matt Burton's extended for another five years, and quite possibly Stephen Crichton coming in 12 months' time. Are you optimistic as a Bulldogs fan? Andrew Ryan was on the breakfast show last Friday, and he had some good stuff uh, to say about how they're building for this year. Um, so I think there are good times ahead for the Bulldogs under Cameron Sorello. Are you optimistic about the Bulldogs' chances, not just this year, but over the next few years? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. So plenty on our agenda today. You take off the first day of the Australian Open. A disappointed Nick Kyrgios has pulled out. Rugby fans, what about the sacking of Dave Rennie? And are you happy that Eddie Jones is back in charge of the Australian Rugby Union team, the Wallabies, for the World Cup? And can you see them going all the way 
under the coaching of Eddie Jones. And Bulldogs fans, are you looking forward now to the next couple of years, uh, looking likely to get Stephen Crichton? Um, but we'll see. I'm sure there'll be a lot of other clubs looking for his sign signature as well. Plenty to get through this morning. It is 16 past five. The Big Bash last night as well was entertaining. I'll update you on that. But after this, we'll cross to America, talk to Chris Perkins at 16 and a half past five in New South Wales, 16 and a half past four in Queensland. It's coming up to 21 past five in New South Wales, 21 past four in Queensland. 0457 736 736 is our text number. Breakfast show royalty, Serbian Seagulls text me. Good to have your company. Uh, asking one, one of the things we're asking today, alongside the tennis and Nick Kyrgios, you're disappointed about that. My next guest is, I'll talk to him in just a second. Uh, also asking about the Bulldogs, uh, Stephen Crichton, likely to head there, but not confirmed, but still got a pretty good lineup for this year. Uh, Serbian Seagull, obviously not a fan of the Bulldogs, says uh, the Bulldogs are still rubbish and will still finish in the bottom four. Thank you, Serbian Seagull. Good to see you love uh, the Bulldogs. There's a few more other texts there. I'll get to them shortly. 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. We'll talk EPL with John Gallo in about 10 or so minutes time from now. But before that, let us cross to America. Chris Perkins is on the line. Chris, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, and yeah, the the Karyos news. I told you last week, you know, when I tipped him to win the Australian <laughs> Open, that it could completely blow up in my face by Tuesday. Oof. Well, it did. Um, but I think I said to you when you gave me your tip of Nick Kyrgios that there is potential that by the next time we speak, he would be out of the Australian Open. Now, I meant that maybe he was going to play on Monday and potentially lose. I didn't see this one coming. It's disappointing for the home Grand Slam and disappointing for your tip. Although your other one, Iga Shuantek, uh, she won last night. So, so you still are hope on, on the women's side. Are you going to change your men's tip? I will throw out a new tip since we are still early in the very early in the open. Now, now I went chalk in the in the on the women's side. I, I went with Shriatek in the mm. uh, on the women's side. Top seed thinks she's just going to dominate. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go slightly less chalky. I am going to go with another seeded player. But I'm going Greek. I'm going Sitsipas. Mm, yeah, so we had a win last night in straight sets as well. Sitsipas, he's a and, and I'm just. And I'm just think I'm, I'm thinking also for the crowd in, in Melbourne. Yes. The, because there is a very, 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 very gigantic Greek population in Melbourne. Yeah, he is a very... Get all of them out there. He is a very, very popular player uh, in Melbourne when he's playing well. And he, and he hasn't broken through yet. He's been there or thereabouts in terms of the Australian Open. So... Uh, we'll see what happens with him. Uh, but Sitsipas, so you've changed your tip to Sitsipas. Uh, he, he's only got to win six more matches after winning uh, last night. Now, Chris, a big weekend just gone in wildcard weekend. Yeah, we, we had some great games over the weekend. Where, where should we start? Should we go with the somewhat uncomfortable turn into a comfortable win? Uh, the upset, the near upset. They, they flipped the game on its head in the fourth quarter with one play game? Or, or should we go with the near historic comeback? Where should we start? Chris, you are the expert in your field over there in America, so I'm going to let you choose. Okay, well, in that <laughs> case, we'll go with near historic comeback. That sounds good to me. The, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars Saturday night against the Los Angeles Chargers. Mm. Things could not have gone worse for the Jaguars 
even if a giant sea monster had crawled out of the St. John's River and swallowed the stadium whole. Is that likely to happen? It was. I don't think so. That, that'd be a pretty big sea monster. Be a, be, be be a very big news story. Uh, go on. Yeah, that yeah, would be. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yes. uh, the Trevor Lawrence, their second-year quarterback, threw four first-half interceptions. Mm. Chargers led this game at one point, 27 nothing in the second quarter. The Jaguars came all the way back. They win 31-30 on a walk-off field goal at the end of the game, the third greatest comeback in playoff history, behind only the, the, the Indianapolis Colts' 28-point comeback 10 years ago against the Kansas City Chiefs, and the most famous one, 35-3, the Bills coming back on the Houston Oilers in the 92 wild card game. So the, the, the Jaguars made some serious history mm. on, on Saturday night. Now they advance on to the divisional round. Uh, they get a their, their reward for winning Saturday night, a trip to Kansas City against the well-rested Chiefs. Well, yes, it's always, it's always fun when you come up against a team that has had a week off. We have that in the NRL and the AFL here. It's all, it doesn't always mean you're going to lose, but it, it's it's sort of great. Uh, I'd, I'd love to look at the stats in the NRL in particular to see in the final series how many teams that have had the week off have gone on to lose the week after. I'll, I'll get some stats ban onto it. Charlie Goodsir can do that. Uh, yeah, so what else happened across the weekend, mate? Uh, well, we found out that the Minnesota Vikings are actually frauds. Uh, they're out. They oh. lost, They were the only home team to lose this weekend. Lost to the mm. New York Giants 31-24. Uh, Daniel Jones, uh, he was written off by a lot of experts over here as a bust the, yep. the last couple of years. Uh, he had a good year this year, got his Giants into the playoffs. His playoff debut, how about 301 passing yards? And tack on 70-plus rushing yards as well. Uh, Saquon Barkley had a couple of rushing touchdowns as well for the Giants. And, and they move on to uh, their reward, by the way, for winning that game last night. Uh, they get to go to Philadelphia, take on the Love Eagles, who also had the week off like the Chiefs did last week. Lovely, lovely. There's a lot of rewards uh, this weekend in America, uh, Chris. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a giving. I'm a giving person. <laughs> you are. Giants Eagles game though. Uh, this coming weekend. Yep. That it's gonna be. That's gonna be a fun game to watch because they're division rivals. They play twice a year, and they absolutely, positively hate each other. Oh, lovely. It's, I, I'd say, I, see, that's good. That's a big sporting rivalry. Might be sporting rivalries later in the week when we speak to you next. Uh, it's always good yeah. when you get a knockout game, well, any game, but especially when it's a knockout game, when uh, the teams hate each other. We get that sometimes in the NRL final series, AFL final series. It's very, uh, very good. So what was, uh, because there was a lot, what was the pick of your games last weekend? And are you excited? Because we're only, what, just under... Four weeks away, four weeks ago, yesterday, I think it is, until the Super Bowl. Yeah, we've got the Super Bowl coming up in Arizona mid-February. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's coming up close. Uh, the Jag, the Jacksonville-LA game was probably the pick. Mm. San Francisco, they were uncomfortable for a half. They actually trailed at halftime mm. against Seattle and then rolled in the second half, uh, one by 18 points. Uh, Cincinnati and Baltimore – uh, division rivals, again, who hate each other, they wind up having a great game. Uh, Cincinnati wins. Uh, the winning score, by the way, 
Uh, it was a play at the goal line. Baltimore was about to score a touchdown. Had a had a play from the one yard line. Mm-hmm. Tyler Huntley tried to sneak the ball in, got slapped out of his hand as he was trying to reach for the goal line. Mm-hmm. Uh, wound up in the arms of Sam Hubbard, a defensive lineman, who proceeded to run it 98 yards the other way for the game winning touchdown in the fourth quarter. Very good. A, an incredible play turned the game on its head. They wind up. Cincinnati goes on. Next week, they'll play in Buffalo. Remember that week 17 yes. game that didn't, or that, that week 16 game that didn't get finished? Yes. Well, they're going to get a chance to finish it with a brand new game in the playoffs and a trip to the AFC Championship on the line because Buffalo had a a, a, a very uncomfortable game beating Miami 34-31 yesterday. All right, yes, uh, plenty, plenty going on. Just a question off the text as well, and you may not know the answer to this, but uh, the Super Bowl entertainment this year, has that been announced yet, or who it's going to be? Do we know? It is Rihanna. Oh, Rihanna. Okay, well, very, very. Rihanna is performing. And the only reason I know that is because every broadcast this weekend of the NFL was promoting the hell out of it. Okay. It was like the Apple Music Super Bowl a halftime show, Rihanna. You are uh, you I ever? You couldn't. It was every two minutes you heard it. I think. You a big fan? Not really. No. I I never watched this. I I can't remember. I think the last Super Bowl halftime show I watched was Prince. Oh, that's that's a long time ago now. That's a very very long time ago. Yeah, well, it's been, it's been a while. Maybe you can watch Rihanna. Uh, thank you, Chris. We will chat on uh, Friday ahead of a massive weekend coming up. Yeah, one more game tonight, yep. by the way. Yes. Um, a Monday night wild card game. Cowboys at Buccaneers. Will it be Tom Brady's final mm. game? Question mark. Question mark. We might even have to chat to you tomorrow if it is. We'll see how that goes. We may chat tomorrow. If not, we'll chat on Friday. Thanks, mate. Sounds good. Have a good one. Thanks, mate. Chris Perkins in America, talking American sport. 0457 736 736, or you can call the open line, 1300-01-1170. couple of texts here uh, on uh, the decision to appoint Eddie Jones as coach of the Wallabies. This one uh, from the Green Keeping Rooster. Morning to you. Uh, morning, Dan. He says, I applaud Rugby Australia for making the tough decision in sacking Dave Rennie. The easy decision was to stick with Rennie, but I'm really happy Eddie Jones is back. That from the Green Keeping Rooster. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a pretty harsh way to probably sack Dave Rennie, but he didn't have the greatest winning record. I think 38%, I think it was, I read out earlier. So, And we know how well Eddie Jones has done with the Wallabies in the past, taking them to uh, final in 2003. And uh, we'll see if he can turn things around in the space of the next six months before that World Cup in Paris. And this one on the text for, uh, on Eddie Jones, 4.5 million to coach a bunch of nobodies that won't win anything. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm hoping you're wrong. I'm hoping they will uh, win something. Thank you. More text there in a second. 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. And just before a break, uh, this one as well. Uh, the NRL, uh, they're facing a player revolt that includes a boycott of the game's official season launch and all promotional activity in the build up to the kickoff in March. Now, the Cronulla Sharks players kicked off a player driven campaign yesterday by refusing to take part in a planned photograph or interview session for the NRL's website. Uh, so there was a photographer there. He had his equipment set up at Shark Park. Before being informed by veteran forward Wade Graham, the players had chosen not to participate. It's understood the Daily Telegraph understands the other clubs will be joining the boycott of promotional and marketing activities. 
It is a protest against the NRL for the delays in finalising a new collective bargaining agreement. The RLPA leadership group, including Wade Graham, Christian Welsh as IEO, uh, Zayo and Daly Cherry Evans will meet, were met last night for further talks on possible action. And the action is being driven by the players, the senior player said. The NRL doesn't understand how unhealthy the relationship is with both the men and the women. This is not about pay. It's about the way the NRL have lacked respect in negotiations. So we'll see how long this uh, carries on for. We had Christian Welsh on breakfast last week, uh, made some very good points in his interview uh, with James Magnuson and Michael Karianis. And this just seems to be carrying on. Hopefully it will get sorted sooner rather than later. Your thoughts on that? 0457 736 736. You disappointed Nick Kyrgios is out of the Australian Open before a match has been played. If you enjoyed, did you enjoy watching day one? Dave Rennie, gone. Eddie Jones in. You happy about that? And a Bulldogs fan. Are you thinking you'll get Stephen Crichton? And are you happy about how your team is looking for this year? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. On the other side of this, we'll talk EPL with John Gallo. Sure is. Good to have your company on this Tuesday morning, 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. Talking uh, about a few things today, uh, Rugby Union with Eddie Jones being put back in to uh, coach them. The Bulldogs looking uh, look like they're going to get Stephen Crichton. The tennis, of course, from yesterday. This text here from the Kingswood Welder uh, says, Top of the morning to you, Dan. Uh, the Belmore, the Belmore Panthers, very good, will be a great team next year with the addition of Crichton. As good of a player he is, we will have a replace ready to go at the Kingswood Welder. I didn't actually read that text beforehand, but that's very amusing for 20 to 6 in the morning. Uh, thank you, Kingswood Welder. John Gallo on uh, the line. Now, I think a little harsh in the Bulldogs. Well, Matt Burden, kick out, potentially Crichton. Yeah, okay, I get the point. Hello, John. How are we? <laughs> very well, mate. Very well. I'm just shopping around for a new uh, priest robe at the moment, so that's, uh, that's on the cards. But uh, as a Bulldogs fan, you've got to get one now, but I'm excited to see Steve Crichton join the Bulldogs, actually. I'm excited to see what he can do. Obviously, Gus knows him very, very well. So, yeah, hopefully he's a, he's a positive you know, turnout for us going forward in the season. Yeah, going to be very interesting. If that uh, does occur, isn't, hasn't been confirmed to join you for 2024, but it is the most likely option. It's been rumoured, and of course, as I said earlier, uh, he announced yesterday to his Panthers teammates he'll be leaving. I did see a bit of commentary on social media, and again, I take it with a grain of salt when you see stuff on Twitter, a bit of rumours about Joseph Swalihi potentially joining Penrith next year. I don't know. I think it's all rumours, but we'll wait and see. It's funny how the rumour mill starts. One, once, one, one, once one player leaves... Uh, it seems everyone uh, moves on. We'll see what happens. Hopefully uh, not in terms of Suali if you're a Roosters fan. Now, John, big weekend in the EPL just gone. Let's go through some of the matches. Uh, we'll start uh, with this one. Well, on Friday we spoke Fulham uh, beat Chelsea 2-1. Uh, so that was a good win for Fulham. But let's go to Saturday. Aston Villa 2 defeating Leeds United 1 in an interesting match. Yeah, and a game that uh, would really haunt the Leeds United fans when they watch this one back because, you know, they started the first 45 minutes absolutely out of the blocks and created a few opportunities, should have scored a goal, or at least two goals perhaps, uh, but uh, just came up short in that second half and Villa came out of the blocks in that second half and, and in the end walked away with all three points. Credit to Unai Emery and his, and his side. Um, they held firm when they needed to and were able to uh, execute up, up front when they uh, had the opportunity. So, 
it's a chance gone missing for, for Leeds United. A uh, tough pill to swallow, but for Aston Villa, it shows that they've got a lot of skill and uh, and a real good coach in uh, in United Emery. So, uh, yeah, some really positive things have come out of that victory. A, a real good three points for them. A tough loss for, for Leeds United that makes them now head back down to the relegation dogfight and uh, the pressure mounts now on Jesse Marsh's future there. But... Uh, yeah, well done to, to Aston Villa. Yeah, well done to Aston Villa. We do this for Makita, by the way. The season Makita is helping you rule the outdoors. Now, Manchester United 2 over Man City 1. Uh, I know you said on Friday it's the first time in quite a while, four or five years, that this would be, I mean, it's always a big match, but uh, United had a big chance of beating Man City, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, absolutely. They shut down Man City, you know, at least for the first 50, 60 minutes of the game. Um, they, they absolutely ran out of options, Man City in attack, which is something that I haven't seen in a long time. I don't think I've ever seen any Premier League side, at least this season, control Man City from a defensive point of view as well as what Man United did. Harland had barely eight touches at half-time on the ball, so he was missing for large periods of the game, uh, as well as Riyad Mahrez, I think, went missing. Still Foden uh, went you know, really quiet throughout the game. So credit to Man United defensively. Uh, Varane and Basaka, um, Malassia, young Malassia at the left back. He was doing a terrific job. And, of course, you know, Casemiro, Bruno Fernandes, Rashford who grabbed a goal. I spoke about Rashford's form heading to this game on Friday. He's been in brilliant form all season long. But in the last two or three months, he's really stepped it up a couple of more gears. And Man United need that, uh, along with the likes of Bruno Fernandes and Casemiro. They got the job done. Uh, fantastic three points for them. And it goes to show, you know, once again, the improvement that they've had under Ten Hag all season long, really. And I think slowly the wheels are turning more and more. There's more traction to be had for United this season. They are potentially, after this win, I think some would say title contenders. It might be a bit early to say that, but certainly after their performance against City and this result, they've got all the uh, all the boxes ticked. And a tough build as well for City. I know Pep Guardiola will be very disappointed uh, dropping all three points in this Manchester derby. And it's funny, when you think back to the start of the season, which seems like a long time ago, but it wasn't that long ago, a few months ago, there was a lot of pressure on Manchester United. They didn't start the season off well, but they've turned things around very nicely and very, very quickly. So well done uh, to them. Uh, Wolves won over West Ham, nil. We also saw Nottingham Forest, two over Leicester City, nil. A team that really is struggling, though, this year is Liverpool. They travelled to Brighton and got absolutely smashed. Brighton, three, Liverpool, nil. John, I know we've spoken about this over the past few weeks, but it's now going from an inconsistent season for Liverpool to a, by their standards, pretty poor season. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look, I mean, if there weren't questions on, on Jurgen Klopp previous to this game, there certainly is now from from all parts of, uh, of the football community, not just Liverpool fans, but pundits and analysts and former players are coming out and sharing their concerns with Jurgen Klopp. And again, and I mentioned this maybe about a month ago, the seven-year curse that uh, happens mm. with Jurgen Klopp's team that he seems to manage on that seventh that, year. Is that, like the, is that like the seven-year itch? Yeah, well, kind of similar. It's been diagnosed as one, Dan. Um, you know, we all I have a seven-year itch. It can be a, quite a big problem, uh, depending on who you ask. But, uh, yeah, I think for Jürgen Klopp, there's something going on there. I mean, he needs to get the witch out of the closet and uh, certainly bat it over the head with a broom if he's got one because I tell you what, there's some really... I don't know whether it's bad luck. I mean, they have had bad luck in terms of injuries. There's no doubt about it. They've got a long list of injuries that hasn't helped their season, similar to Chelsea's problems. Uh, mm. But at the same time, they've still got a squad. When you look at it, Thiago, Fabinho, Andy Robinson, and Mo Salah in particular, Gapko, who's a new signing. They've got a lot of strength across the park and a lot of attacking weapons, but just can't seem to get it done. And uh, 
they seem like a side that's stuck in second gear all season long. They seem a little like they're lacking energy at the moment. Um, half the time when the players come out running out of that tunnel, they look like they've been running a marathon and they just don't get started. So it's very un-Liverpool-like, uh, very un-Liverpool-like. And I think, I don't know whether it's the manager's problem or whether the players just aren't playing for Jurgen Klopp anymore. There just seems to be a real disconnect there on the field. And uh, whatever's been done at training obviously isn't being executed out there on the uh, on match day. And I think for Jurgen Klopp, he's got to be scratching his head at the moment, wondering what are some of the answers to these, uh, to these big, big problems that they have at the moment. So... Disappointing result. And Brighton, I mean, credit to Brighton. They were absolutely mm. fantastic. Roberto deserved this season. has really transformed this side. I know when Graham Potter left for Chelsea, there was a lot of concern around Brighton that they were going to fall amongst the, the relegation battle this season. But Roberto Deserve has turned this side around. And, uh, yeah, despite the really kindergarten type of defending from, from Liverpool throughout this game, they were fantastic, Brighton, and uh, well-deserved three points. Yeah, Liverpool, an interesting one to watch over the next few weeks to see if they can turn things around. Uh, Southampton 2 over Everton 1. We saw Brentford 2-0 over Bournemouth. Chelsea did turn things around to an extent yesterday, defeating Crystal Palace 1-0. Yeah, they did. And, uh, you know, fantastic result for Graham Potter. A much-needed result. I'd hate to say that if he didn't get this result, the, the pressure would have really come through and Chelsea fans would have been probably perhaps even booing his name as they've done in previous games gone by. Uh, but well done for Chelsea. Much-deserved three points. And disappointing uh, three points lost for, for Palace. This will put them right in the, in the dogfight again. Uh, and an impressionable amount on Patrick Vieira after this as well. But uh, well done to Graham Potter and, and a good three points for Chelsea. Uh, Newcastle won defeat of Fulham nil. And we saw Arsenal get a good win over Tottenham yesterday. The final match of this round, 2-0 at, at Tottenham's home ground. Yeah, well, again, you're talking about managers under pressure. I mean, Conte is uh, certainly not hitting the headlights at the moment for all the right reasons. He's you know, getting criticisms from all directions, particularly again from Spurs fans and Spurs fans, uh, you know, at the moment, top four, top six is, is, is looking very unlikely at this point in time. Just not only from their results point of view, but the performances have been very sluggish in the last month or so. Uh, they just haven't been themselves uh, at all. And again, don't know what the, the issue there seems to be. Conte may not be getting his message through to the players. I think some of the players are struggling to play under Conte's particular way of playing, particularly the likes of Kane and Son, who were quite quiet in this game, I have to say. Um, but Arsenal, you know, very polished performance from, you know, not only a defensive point of view, maintaining Kane and Song, but also in attack. You know, again, Martinelli, Bakuyi Saka been unbelievable. Granite Xhaka, we spoke about before last time I was on the show. And Odegaard, fantastic second goal by Odegaard outside the 18-yard box. They just had all the class and uh, they were just so clinical. Arteta's men uh, really well drilled. And you can see right now, only after 19 games into the season, there's still, what, 21, 22 games to go. But mm. Arsenal showing all the signs of being a real top uh, top team and, and a Premier League title contender, that's for sure. And this result now leaves them eight points ahead on the ladder against Man City. So, uh, you know, fantastic result if you're an Arsenal fan. Yeah, running short on time, but just quickly, John, eight uh, points ahead, as you say, Arsenal. They're in the box seat. Uh, are they your favourites to go on to win the whole thing this year? Oh, it's a big one to say. It really is. I mean, there's so much money spent on this Man City team. Over $100 million spent on Harlan in the off-season. Again, $100 million a season before with Jack Grealish. you got a manager like Pep Guardiola in the dugout who's won it all before. It's it's really... I, I just The question that comes over Arsenal, and everyone's been saying it all season, is the lack of score depth. Um, they've gone into January transfer window. They tried to get the uh, Shakhtar Donetsk striker, uh, Miyepio, uh, who just signed overnight for Chelsea. So they lost that one out to Chelsea, who's gone over £100 million move over there. 
in the last 24 hours. So I, I just wonder about their depth arsenal. That's the big problem. Uh, I feel they're good enough to win it. I do think that, but there's going to be some stern tests if they don't pick up a, a few signings in the transfer window. All right, going to be very interesting to see. John, thank you. We'll chat on Friday morning ahead of another exciting weekend. Absolutely, mate. Looking forward to it, and uh, I'll talk to you Friday. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you, John at Gallo, talking all things EPL. Let's do a big bash update uh, for the Isuzu D-Max. Live your own way in the powerful Isuzu D-Max. Visit your local Isuzu Ute dealer today. Matt Renshaw, stunning uh, innings last night. Uh, his best T20 knock. And one of the greatest match-winning efforts uh, with the bat ever seen in the Big Bash League, smashing an unbeaten 90 of just 56 balls to guide the Heat to a thrilling wi- three-wicket win over the Melbourne Stars off the last ball. Uh, so the Stars off there, 20 overs, made seven for 159. The Heat getting the job done, having lost uh, seven wickets and winning by three wickets off the last ball of the day, uh, of the game. So well done uh, to them. The Big Bash continues uh, tonight at 7.15 when the Sydney Sixers take on the Adelaide Strikers. And uh, more cricket as well. Yesterday, Meg Lanning, a stunning return back to cricket after taking uh, six months off to freshen up, uh, reminding the world just how good she is. Um, Australia cruising past Pakistan. Uh, Lanning was put down at six and made the visitors pay, sharing a 137-run partnership uh, with Phoebe Litchfield who was on debut as Australia romped to an eight-wicket victory with 67 balls to spare. Uh, The bowlers restricted Pakistan to 160 in a rain of shorted innings and Lanning was a star. Uh, so very, very good to see her back playing cricket again after six months off. 0457 736 736, the text number. You can call the open line 1300 01 1170. We'll take a break and come back and wrap things up. Breakfast not too far away. It's 10 to 6 in New South Wales, 10 to 5 in Queensland. Yeah, on the text, 0457-736-736. Looking forward uh, to seeing the cock get up today at the Aussie Open. Thank you. Uh, Yes, he is in action, I think I said third up uh, this afternoon, so probably around 3 or 4 o'clock this afternoon. Alex Demonor in action tonight as well at 7 p.m. amongst a host of Australians in action on day two of the Australian Open. Don't forget, you can hear all the Aussie Open action here from 7 p.m. tonight. Uh, Newcastle is on the verge of securing the fullback that will allow uh, it to move Caelan Ponga to 5'8". Lockie Miller uh, looking like he's going to agree to terms to leave the Cronulla Sharks and to go to the Newcastle Knights. Lots of speculation about this over the past uh, few weeks, but it would be good to see him move to Newcastle. He showed some good signs at the Cronulla Sharks last year and would be a really good signing for Newcastle to see Kalen Ponga move then to that 5'8 position permanently. We'll see how that goes throughout season 2023. Breakfast coming up through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney with Julian King and Michael Karianis. Among today's guests, Brett Phillips will wrap up the tennis and Lee Hatchimentellis from Brighton's Lawyers will join them as well. Patton Heels for our Queensland listers. Uh, coming up after 6am local time for you. Thanks for your company today. Breakfast follows the news and I'll see you tomorrow morning from 5am. Have a great Tuesday.